All right. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another outstanding episode of the Mental Health Babble podcast. My name is Kenny, uh, and usually I would have Andrew here with me. Unfortunately, he could not make it today. Uh, he's feeling a little under the weather. So uh, if you give it a thought um, or want to give him a shout out, please do. You know, we want to get him back in here as soon as possible so that we can. Uh, you guys don't have to listen to me the entire time. Uh, so send them some good vibes, you know, thoughts, prayers, whatever, whatever you do. Uh, but we'd like to get them back in here as quickly as possible. Uh, it just makes the show better. Uh, today we are going to be talking about um, a number of things, um, some big, some small, but the main focus is going to be on anxiety today. That, that is the title of this podcast is, or, or this episode of the podcast is analyzing anxiety. So we're going to spend a lot of time talking about that today, but before we get into any of that stuff, I have an announcement. I have an announcement just yesterday. All right. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I actually, I work as a psychoeducational counselor for a clinic here in Colorado Springs. Uh, it's called mentally strong. And, uh, what we do, uh, is, you know, like I said, we have the psychoeducational counseling. Uh, we utilize a method that was developed by Dr. Christy Bundakamara, uh, who is the practice owner. Uh, and it is a, method that is based on cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, and we, we utilize this method in the, in the counseling sessions, but then we also have the medical side of things, right? So we, we have psychiatric nurse practitioners that actually work in the clinic and uh, they do the medication management side of things as well. So uh, really revolutionary stuff. But the big announcement is, is that Colorado Springs just expanded. We just got a, a new franchise opened up in Parker, Colorado yesterday. Uh, and Jill Russell is the uh, head of that clinic. She's a fantastic um, psychiatric nurse practitioner. She's got a heart for people. She loves the field of mental health uh, and it just has a wealth of knowledge and experience in the field. And so we, we had the grand opening yesterday. It was absolutely fantastic. So something to celebrate for sure. Yeah, lots of applause. I know you guys are doing it with us. Uh, you know, the, the grand opening went very well. We had a lot of people stop by, um, both, you know, people that were invited and some other, um, people that work in the, in the field of mental health that, uh, actually work in that area actually stopped by as well. And we had a lot of great conversations, a lot of awesome networking opportunities taking place. So listen, here's the thing. If you're in the Denver Metro area or in Parker, Colorado, and you're looking for, uh, a, a partner in the mental health industry, uh, you're looking for, you're looking for medication management uh, or any anything, any combination of that, or you have a curiosity and you want to know more about what we do, uh, I please, 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 please reach out. Uh, it's again, you can you can look it up on the web, uh, mentally strong Parker, and uh, you should be able to find some of the information there. And what I'm going to try to do is, if you'll give me just a moment, I'm going to look in my little book of knowledge here, and I'm going to try and. Uh, Try and get some info for you. Do, do, do. 
going through some of this stuff. All right. So if you, if you're interested in receiving any, any kind of mental health services, as far as, you know, psychoeducational counseling or medication management or a combination of either of those, uh, please, please, please give us a call. The number is 303-351-2202. All right. And if you want to inquire, uh, through, um, email, you can do so at info at mentally strong parker.com. All right. We would love to really uh, connect with you. Um, and you know, kind of evaluate, assess your needs, see where you're at and work with you. Uh, and, and just kind of, like I said, be a partner in, in your journey towards better mental health. There's never, never, uh, anything that's, that's too big or too small that, that can't be helped. Right. So even if you think that, you know, what, what you're dealing with might be, uh, well beyond our, our skill set, please still reach out. We do, uh, we do refer people, uh, point them in the right direction, which is still a, a major part of the, the mental health process. So please, if you're in that area, give us a call, let us, let us know what we can do to help you. Um, and just a lot of exciting things happening right now. So much good stuff happening in the field of mental health. There's so many passionate people, especially uh, coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, we're seeing a lot of, of mental health issues, um, especially in, you know, kids and, and teenagers. Uh, it, it really, there, there is no dif differentiating there. It really does kind of span the spectrum. Uh, you know, you have people that, you know, from, from all different ages, uh, walks of life and, and so on and so forth that are, are, are dealing with mental health issues coming out of this pandemic. So there, there are, there's, there's a, a massive demand. So anything that we can do to be supportive of those individuals, we're, we're absolutely happy to do. So it's really fantastic opportunity. Uh, they are middle, uh, uh, Parker, Colorado, mentally strong Parker. Um, they're there, they're open, they're, they're waiting for you. All you've got to do is just step up and advocate for yourself. So give us a call, let us know. And, and again, if you're in the Springs, Colorado Springs, uh, the same, the same applies, give us a call there, uh, or shoot us an email at questions at mentally strong.com, or you can go to the website mentally strong.com and you'll, you'll land on that, that initial splash page. And there's a wealth of information on there as well. We would love to help you achieve your personal vision in life. So give us a call. Let us help you. All right. That being said, let's move on to uh, some of the other stuff we got going on. One, I, I want to let people know that I, I've got this, uh, I've got this page on Facebook. Uh, and if you want to look it up and, and uh, get connected with us there, it's mental health babble you know, just the same as the, the podcast, you can find us there. You can give us a like, you can follow us. Uh, we would love to, we'd love to engage with you there, uh, which is something that, you know, we, we like to do. Uh, we post daily, um, sometimes two, three times a day. If we can, we try to engage with people within the posts. Uh, it's just a good place to connect, a good place to find information, ask questions, uh, just a, a, a plethora of things, you know, uh, on that page. Uh, I also do have my Instagram page, which let me 
make sure I'm good here. Yeah. Mental health babble, uh, there as well. So you can connect with us on Facebook. You can connect with us on, uh, Instagram and we are on Twitter. It's not like, uh, anybody's really connecting with us on Twitter, which is kind of understandable. It's, it's kind of, uh, not really the, the utilized platform for, uh, you know, for, for these, these kind of things. But if you want to connect with us on Twitter, it's at M H babble. Uh, again, that is at M H babble. So the social media is out there. We would love to connect with you. We do like to, uh, like I said, we like to be interactive with, with, you know, people on our pages. Um, and, last last week we did not put out an episode last week and I, I do apologize for that but just kind of given the the fact that you know easter um, was happening last weekend we wanted to allow people the opportunity to spend time with their families and and not really be so um so concerned with looking out for a podcast you know so we we didn't we didn't go ahead and do the the actual episode so we're doing it this week um, but we were you know talking about anxiety and some of the posts that we put up on facebook last week and we did put up a poll now it wasn't the most uh the the, the poll itself didn't get a, a lot of engagement it did get some engagement which for those of you that did participate in that poll we do appreciate it um, we do look at those things and it does kind of play into um you know the direction that we're, we we take this this podcast we we want it to be an interactive experience you know have people kind of join in on the conversation um, but we did a we did a a poll and we talked about, you know, anxiety. Do you feel anxiety plays a role in your daily decision making? And we got, we got, you know, the majority of votes were yes. Um, we did get, we we got some no's, and then no, you know, I don't knows anything like that. But you know, the majority of people that did participate in that poll did say that yes, anxiety does play a role in their daily decision making. So. Um, I'm glad that those of you that took the time to actually look at the poll or interact with that, we, we appreciate that greatly. And it, it, you know, like I said, you know, we, we put the poll out there for the, the purpose of that, that, um, you know, that engagement piece for what we're going to be talking about. So this week we're talking about analyzing anxiety. We're going to talk about, you know, the origins of anxiety. We're going to try and stay as much out of the weeds as possible, uh, which means we're not going to go into the, the deep, you know, dark scientific, um, explanation, you know, the neurological side of things, we may address some of the neurological things, you know, just, just where that origin, uh, point is in the brain. Uh, we're going to talk about, you know, what, what things contribute to anxiety, what the manifestations of, of anxiety typically look like, you know, as far as anxiety disorders and, uh, you know, some of the, the cognitive and behavioral manifestations. We're going to talk about, you know, ways to challenge that anxiety. What, what are some useful methods and techniques for addressing anxiety? And then we're going to wrap things up. We're going to move in that, in that direction. Like I said, you know, the goal is to not make these podcasts super long. I know the first few episodes have either been over an hour, um, we're really close to it. I, and, and I don't want to make, you know, the, the informational process of this, you know, extremely detailed. Um, I, I want to put out the pertinent information and that way you can digest that and take it in without a whole lot of extras. But I mean, it's a podcast, 
you, you know, you listen to this, you, you, you want to, you want to understand the material, you want to appreciate the material. And I, I just don't, you know, I don't want it to be dry. So, um, that being said, uh, you know, the, the field of mental health is one that is is still very underserved in in many communities um, both here you know within the united states but all over the world um you know you when when you talk about you know mental health and advocating for your mental health you know there are a lot of different things that kind of stand in the way of somebody stepping up and and advocating for themselves you know, you've got uh, a lot of cultural things that, that stand in the way, you know, religious ideologies, you, you've got a, a number of factors that, that would keep people from standing up and advocating for themselves and actually going out and seeking the help that they need. And so one of the things that we, we definitely want to utilize this podcast for is for kind of breaking down some of those barriers and giving people the understanding that they need in order to stand up and advocate for themselves to, to, you know, go and seek the help that you need. Um, and, but you know, the field of mental health is one that that's very, uh, underserved. I know in the, in the local community that we have here, both in Colorado Springs, Parker, Denver Metro area, all up and down, you know, this, this I 25 corridor, you know, there, there's a major need for more mental health services, more mental health practitioners and, and psychiatrists and, you know, just all these different programs and facilities and, and things of that nature. We need more of that, not less. You know, we are seeing a, a rise in certain uh, disorders. And as a matter of fact, according to psychology today, uh, anxiety has now taken the lead uh, as, as the most diagnosed condition, at least within the United States today. So, and per psychology today, anxiety is now the leading mental health problem around the world. And the incidence of anxiety is still rising, especially among our youth, right? So anxiety is a big deal. And one of the, one of the biggest factors or contributing factors to, um, you know, anxiety being on the rise, uh, there, there's a multitude of things, right? But two, two important factors that, that people say contribute to anxiety among the young are, you know, parenting practices, uh, where parents are very overprotective of their children. And then again, the rise of social media, which I, I'm a very, uh, big advocate for staying or stepping away from, um, and not utilizing on such a frequent basis. Now, again, that, that seems a little, um, it seems a little two faced since, you know, we use social media to advertise our podcast and, and to interact with people, but you know, that's a good utilization of that social media. Uh, I think there are a lot of factors in the use of social media, uh, within society that, that really do cause, um, you know, some significant mental health issues that, um, you know, create, the, this this rise in anxiety uh, in our in our society and and throughout the world. So what we're going to do today is we're we're gonna we're gonna break this down. So let's talk. Let's talk about anxiety. I'm sure those of you that are listening to this podcast um, understand what anxiety is or have felt it at some point in your life. And, and there's a reason for that. So if we look at the origins of anxiety, we, we, we do initially need to look at the brain, right? We, we need to look at the limbic system 
And our, our limbic system is comprised of the hippocampus, the amygdala, the hypothalamus, and the thalamus. These are the areas that are responsible for the majority of emotional processing and individuals that are experiencing anxiety will most likely see heightened activity in these areas. So if you were doing some sort of a brain scan and you were dealing with a, a bout of anxiety, this, this area would light up like a Christmas tree. Um, the amygdala itself is a small, almost almond looking part of the brain that comprises one of the components of the limbic system. It's a, it's a very small part of that, that overall system, but it's responsible for the control of emotions and behavior besides memory formation. So the amygdala itself, right? We, we talk, um, you know, often about, you know, this, this natural survival instinct, you know, the fight or flight response, um, this, this genetically enhanced and altered over time, you know, based on uh, culture, the way that we live and a, a multitude of factors, right? Everything comes with that caveat. A multitude of factors could influence the way uh, that a person develops, you know, their, their anxiety. Now to, to put it out there, anxiety is not a bad thing, right? Uh, anxiety itself, that, that understanding that our, our bodies, one of the inherent biological properties of our bodies is to protect itself just like any, any other, um, you know, any other animal or any other, you know, the, the, the inherent property is to protect, to abstain from dangerous situations, you know, things that, things that might bring harm to us. So really what's, what's taking place during this neurogenesis period of time, right? After, after you're born, we, we kind of went through Erickson's, uh, theory of psychosocial development in those first four stages, right? And, and your brain is consuming a lot of information and it's, it's learning things about, you know, the environment around you, you know, your parents, you know, trust versus mistrust, all of those, all of those different, um, developmental periods that you go through are, are quite significant and they play a major role in the development of anxiety. So anxiety is, you know, you, you start with a baseline, right? And the more that you learn about your environment, you know, you, you start to take on this understanding of what, what's good and what's bad, um, based on, you know, the way that you're nurtured by your, your family within your immediate environment, um, you know, uh, situations that you, you may run into within that environment, which could cause a fluctuation or a rise in that anxiety, um, over time. And so what, what people really don't understand is that, you know, anxiety is not, it, it doesn't just, it's not stagnant. It does fluctuate, right? So, and it's based on the information that we take in, the way that we formulate our thought processes around those situations, right? Our ability to be resilient in a situation, uh, you know, and, and so again, here I'm good, I'm going to say it, there are a multitude of factors that play into that, that process of anxiety. So, you know, a child being raised in an environment where, you know, uh, there, there's abuse in the home, there's some sort of traumatic circumstance taking place in those younger years, they're going to start developing this fear. And this fear is going to cause that anxiety to rise. Uh, and over time, uh, as, as that development goes on, uh, you're, you're going to start seeing uh, differences in emotional regulation and, you know, you're, you may start seeing erratic behaviors. You might, you might start seeing signs and symptoms that there, there is anxiety uh, present within the individual. 
And because of those factors, you know, we're, we're, we're paying attention to, um, you know, we're, we're paying attention to the, the signs, right? So, uh, one of the things that psychology today pointed out was, you know, the, the overparenting, right? The overprotective nature of parenting where, you know, you're not letting your children, you know, develop a sense of personal identity or autonomy, and they're not going out there and interacting with the, with the world or the environment, you know, people that are extremely sheltered tend to have more of kind of an, an anxious mind. And that anxiety really does play into a, a factor of fear later on in life, which then also alters, you know, a person's behavior, their ability to operate and function well within society. So typically the, some of those manifestations that we do start to see, especially early on, um, if you're, if you're talking about, you know, childhood and then into adolescence is a lot of, you know, behavioral issues based on, uh, you know, illogical or distorted thinking processes that take place during that time. Now, you know, as adults, we can understand that kids, kids don't, they don't process emotions the same way that adults do. They don't understand things the way that adults do. There's just not that level of, of higher understanding, um, within kids. And so, you know, you, you see kids, you see them, you see them acting out in a certain type of way. Um, you see these behavioral things that are taking place uh, within, you know, whether it's within their home environment or out in public. And, and some of these behavioral things could be manifestations of some sort of anxiety. And so things, things, you know, you, you got to pay a lot of attention to what, what's happening with your, with your children. And you need to talk to them. You need to, you need to try and understand, you know, the uh, emotional arousal that they're feeling or, you know, the behavioral things that are taking place in their life and try and decode a lot of that behavior and a lot of their thought process. It takes understanding from a parent to sit down and talk to their kids and not talk to them like, you know, you, you know, a, a, a boss would talk to an employee, but sit them down and talk to them like, like they're a person, you know? And when you give that kind of latitude, when you sit down and you actually talk to your kids and you open up and, and you tell them like, Hey, you know, we, we just want to try and understand what's going on. Can you please tell us, you know, what you're thinking, tell us what we can do. You know, you're having an open discussion with your children and they feel like they're more involved in a, in a decision-making process at that point in time. And they might be more likely to open up to you, but I digress. Anxiety is anxiety, and, and it's not always easily discernible. It's not always understood uh, very well. Not everybody, you know, has a psychology background and is well versed in understanding anxiety. But uh, anxiety is both a mental and physical state of negative expectation. You know, mentally, it, it is extremely uh, characterized by, you know, arousal and apprehension. Um, and it, and it comes out in like this almost distressed sense of worry, you know, and, and fear really, when you, when you think about it, um, it, it can have some, some very, uh, physiological, very physical symptoms that you can, you can see, um, a, a lot of that you can see also, you know, people develop these, these gastrointestinal issues where, you know, they're, they're constantly, it, it looks like IBS, almost like irritable bowel syndrome, but, you know, people are, are using the restroom a lot, you know, their stomach's upset all the time, you know, kids feeling sick, you know, um, had, <clears throat> had uh one of my one of my children 
was complaining of having like an upset stomach or, or wasn't feeling good, didn't want to go to school. And it, it happened at, at such frequency that, you know, eventually we, we had to sit down and, you know, talk and say like, Hey, what's going on? You know, because there, there wasn't really like a sickness or an illness. There wasn't a temperature. There wasn't, there, there wasn't any of those things. It really was just kind of an upset stomach and come to find out, you know, um, our, our child was, was at that time kind of being picked on at school, being bullied by another, another child in, in the class. And, uh, and they didn't want to go to school and have to put up with that. And so there was a level of fear and anxiety about getting up and, and going to school every day. And so the, the manifestation of that was, you know, this, this sick feeling, right. That, that tightness in the stomach and, you know, so yeah, I, I'm sure you guys get it. But I, I wanted to point that out. That that was kind of a big one. Was you know just some of these physical symptoms that that do kind of display this this anxiety. So when does anxiety actually become a disorder? So it, it it's got to be persistent, pervasive, or um, you know it it disrupt disrupts daily life. Whether that's you know work, school, uh, things at home with or friends and and family and and stuff like that. Um, and it, it it can be accompanied by depression and, and and a lot of times it is because anxiety that that fear that people feel um that that really kind of controls their ability to make make decisions to to go out and do things and and participate and and other activities and so they they really kind of in a lot of cases can be very isolating, you know, with that anxiety. And so, you know, that isolation then leads to, you know, symptoms of depression and then, you know, depression seems to be more, more prevalent, more understood, more easily um, seen in an individual. And so that one gets paid attention to a lot. Um, and so depression is definitely a, 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 a big uh, accompaniment to anxiety and, and they do share a lot of symptoms and involve many of the same, uh, brain pathways. So it, it could also, you know, it could be misconstrued even in a clinical setting, you know, what, what looks like, um, you know, depression could be anxiety, but you know, things get, things can be misdiagnosed from, from time to time. And, and really the diagnosis is based on, you know, the, the information that's being given to, um, you know, the practitioner, the person that, that's actually talking to you and, and able to, able to make that diagnosis. So some of these things do, you know, they, they do change over time, right? The, the, the diagnosis does tend to, um, or can change over time as more information comes in. Um, yeah, there is a biological factor that, that can also contribute to, you know, vulnerability, uh, and anxiety, um, you know, and, and then, you know, early childhood experiences, you know, things such as trauma. And, and again, we, we talked about, you know, the parenting practices, uh, during the, that time period as well. So you, you can't, you cannot one of the big things that I do want to point out is that you, you really don't get rid of anxiety. It, it is like I, like we said, you know, much earlier, it is an inherent biological property that we are a born with. It is, it's, it's a part of our brain. It's a part of that limbic system. Uh, and, and it is there for a reason. So there, there is no full, you know, just completely get rid of the anxiety. Um, 
it, it plays a, a, a very crucial role in, in protecting us, keeping us alert and keeping us alive and, and being able to decipher based on good information between what, what's good for us and what's bad for us. Um, and so really the, the goal of any kind of treatment when it comes to anxiety is not to eliminate anxiety. It is to make that anxiety, be, you know, manageable get it to a level where you can actually function and live your life uh, according to, you know, your values, your, your vision for the future. So it's not, it's not a method of trying to eliminate the anxiety, but more or less trying to make it manageable. Um, <clears throat> so we talked about, you know, why anxiety is on the rise and, and, and I really would implore and, and really ask people to do, do a little bit of soul searching, a little bit of digging. How much time do you really spend kind of browsing and, and going through social media? Um, and how much do your kids have access to social media platforms, things of that nature? We, we have to be very careful about, you know, what the exposure, you know, what, what, what our kids are being exposed to. And we have to, we have to limit that as much as possible. We, we need to limit the negative effects of, you know, social media platforms and, and so on and so forth. Uh, not to mention, you know, now we, we have this issue of cyberbullying that's, that's taking place as well. So kids are being, you know, bullied, not only at school, but then, you know, they're also getting it on, on these social media platforms as well. And so it, it can create a lot of problems there. Uh, so, you know, for parents that, you know, allow their kids to have, uh, any of the various social media platforms and, and you're listening to this, please, you know, have a, have a very serious, very in-depth conversation with your child and, um, just be aware of what they're doing and who they're talking to and, you know, what, what they're, what they're looking at, you know, that that's a parent's responsibility. We have to, we have to be in the know we've we've got to know what our kids are doing we've got to pay attention to what's happening in their lives and we've got to invest time and effort and we've got to talk to them otherwise you know they they may not be um they may not understand enough about what's going on to actually reach out and ask for help or they may they may be scared you know so be as cognizant as you possibly can by by speaking with your kids, talking to them about, you know, the, the harmful effects of overutilization of social media, just like anything else, too much of a, too much of anything is a bad thing. So we, we got to be really careful about that. So another question that people always, always seem to have is, you know, how do you recognize the signs of anxiety? So the, the body's symptoms of anxiety can be really misleading. Not only are they often misinterpreted as signs of a heart attack and, and impending doom, you know, you get the racing heart, you know, the, the, uh, in some cases, you know, you, you get the, that real panicky anxiety, you know, panic anxiety. And so you, you get these, um, you know, racing heart, you get the, the, pulmonary system, you know, people are hyperventilating themselves, you know, they're, they're having really difficult times. So th this kind of leads to those, those feelings of, you know, impending doom, you know, people feeling like they're, they're having a heart attack. I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody sitting in front of me and they're like, man, I thought, I thought I was going to die. You know, I, my, my heart was racing, felt like it was going to, it was going to jump out of my chest. You know, I couldn't breathe. You know, I, th I really thought I was dying, you know, and really what they were having was a, a, a panic response to anxiety. Um, so, and, and, you know, in an effort to not, 
not not trash anybody because that's that's not what this is about I, it really is more about you know understanding right and a lot of people when they have these panic like symptoms they'll go in and they'll see a medical doctor and you know some of these some of these symptoms can actually be misdiagnosed you know it, it it can be looked at as as something else right there's there are other medical conditions that you have very similar uh symptoms and so it can be misdiagnosed um and the physical symptoms may just be assumed to be the result of physical causes and you know because there's or there's just a, a a plethora of things that it could be you know the 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 search for answers could could really just be misdirected you know and then you miss you know the the true issue the true source of the problem and so it, it's got to be really it's got to be really analyzed it's got to be diagnosed correctly this is why you know practitioners you know doctors nurses people that are, are actually sitting in with a patient or, or or a client you really need to do your due diligence and give them the the appropriate amount of time to actually talk about what they're going through and then you've got to use some deductive reasoning to really think through the nature of the nature of the issue by you know and, and not just staring at the symptoms but but finding that why we we had talked about that before you know finding some of the why why is this behavior happening what what were you doing when that when when you started having this this panic um this panic attack what what are some of the some of the thought processes that were occurring at that time this is also a good time to just kind of insert this thing you know we we need to have better communication between you know the the different um disciplines uh within the medical field you know we need to have you know greater uh communication between you know f uh, physical medical providers and, and mental health uh providers we we need to have um you know release of information on, on file and be able to talk back and forth that way we can we can provide the best course of treatment possible right and, and this is talking to people here and and putting your hubris down you know is don't don't stroke the ego but pay attention to the person that's sitting in front of you the patient is what matters and, and the the full value of of understanding um everything that's taking place you know that this this can make the difference right so by you know being able to communicate back and forth between these different entities is extremely important so as we're going through this i'm looking at my notes so just bear with me here so we've talked about you know kind of the origins of anxiety we've talked about what contributes to anxiety um you know there there are a lot of thoughts as to what what the contributions are to the anxiety and look like we said there there are two distinct things that that you can look at you can look at nurture and then you can look at nature you can look at the genetics right the the genetic properties that a person inherits from their parents as as you know their um the generations unfold uh there there can be genetic contributing factors to anxiety um and and so that that you know may need to be understood this is also the reason why people ask for a detailed history did your parents you know what 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 kind of mental health conditions did you grow up around you know anybody else in the household have have some sort of a a, a, a mental health condition that that maybe we need to be aware of because of that genetic factor and then we also look at you know we we do these assessments and one of them is called an ace it's the adverse childhood experiences survey or assessment that we do uh, on every intake 
And we look at those as well. You know, there's a lot of information that comes from that, you know, physical, emotional, uh, and mental abuse. You know, you start looking at sexual abuse. You look at all these different things that could be contributing factors to whatever, whatever displayed symptoms are there sitting in front of you before you actually come up with a diagnosis. So by being able to understand the nature, you know, the, the nature of the things that, that may be contributing to the rise in the anxiety in the individual, um, it's extremely important, you know, so there's, there's some detective work involved. And like I said, you may not get the diagnosis absolutely correct from the very beginning. You may, you may be looking at all the symptoms as they're comprised and, and you just come up with, you know, the, the diagnosis that is going to best explain those things in the moment. And then as time goes on, and this is where the counseling process really becomes a, a very intricate process, right? The, the, the counselor or the therapist that's sitting in front of you, they need to be looking at everything as much as possible. So again, you, you're not just sitting back having a conversation, you know, uh, in your, in your cardigan and writing notes, you, you are actively participating in the session with the person sitting across from you and you need to be reviewing their, their chart. You need to be looking at their background, their history. You need, you got to go back through it as much as possible. And, and what I found is that by doing this, we've actually been able to, to, come up with, you know, some different diagnoses for some of the people that I've talked to. You know, some people are, are dealing with things that, that may have really looked like major depressive disorder, but turns out they may really just have generalized anxiety disorder with a, with depression as kind of a component of that because of the way that they live their lifestyle. And so it really does take somebody to kind of do some investigative work and really pay attention to the details. And I often, I, I look at, I look at everybody that walks through that door, first of all, as a human being. Don't, don't take this any other way, but I do look at it like a puzzle. And, and when you do that initial intake, they, they do a really good job of getting as many of those pieces into place as possible. But I can, I can guarantee that when the person comes into that first session and they're sitting in front of you for counseling, you don't have all the information that you absolutely need. That's, that's just a fact. And I will gladly, you can, you can send me a message on any, any of the various social media platforms, or you can send it to mentalhealthbabble at gmail.com. And I will gladly, I will gladly give you the information that, uh, that, that, uh, supports what I'm saying here, but it is fact that when they come in there, you don't have every facet and detail of information about the person that's sitting in front of you that you're going to need in order to, you know, to ensure that the diagnosis is, is absolutely spot on or that you're, you're absolutely correct in the, in the path that you're taking, uh, during that counseling session. So that being said, you guys know, you, you know, me, I'm a very historically and chronologically minded individual. So, you know, in those first sessions, we're going back. I start with childhood. I ask very pertinent questions regarding, you know, relationship to parents, you know, siblings. I, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, negative or, or perceived negative experiences that are taking place during that, that childhood time period. I'm looking for it all. And as I'm going and, and we're writing these things down. I'm putting little notes out to the side, you know, and I, and I'm, you know, sometimes they come with a question mark for something that I want to look a little bit more into, or I'm, I'm talking to the, the person sitting in front of me, you know, the client that's sitting there in that chair 
and I'm asking them, you know, what do these things say to you? What does this show you? What, how did you feel when you were doing this? You know, uh, you, you heard your parents arguing a lot when you were a kid. It wasn't necessarily that, that your parents were beating or abusing you, but, but because you were seeing these things happen in your environment, what was something that you took away from that? What was an emotion? What was a feeling that you had during that time period? And, and you know, I tell you what, it's, it's like, it's, it's a strange feeling sometimes because you, you, you're, you almost know what the answer is, but you don't want to, I don't want to give them the answer. I want them to give me the answer, but I want to make sure that I'm laser pinpointing some very specific details and see if they can, if they can verbalize that for themselves. And, and most of the time they can. You know, there, there have been cases that where, you know, people are, are just really uh, unaware of the fact that, you know, there is some, something negative took place in their past. And, and so they, they aren't really able to verbalize that or, you know, understand that where they're at now until they're kind of given the, the opportunity to dig around it a little bit more. But a lot of people, they, they, you know, they're like, well, when I heard them arguing and fighting, you know, the, the, the parents fighting and my sister was crying. And so I took her into the room and we shut the door and I just kind of held her and I, I was protecting her, but I, I was scared. Uh oh, uh oh, you just mentioned fear let's talk about how fear contributes to, you know, and, and so we, we continue on, but, you know, we look at childhood, we look at adolescence, then we look at their adult life. Tell me about some things that you've been doing and, and people don't realize that, you know, some of the, the behavioral things that they're, that are taking place in their life is definitely in response to a, their, their thought process, their, their way of thinking based on that, that multitude of factors. Here we go again, that multitude of factors that, that originated from those childhood experiences. And so this is why, and, and again, I will fight anybody on this, but this is why it's so important to go back in the past and really decode your past, really look at your story and understand the intricate details of your story. Because you really can't just stand up and say, well, I had the perfect childhood. No, you didn't. There, there, there's not a single person walking the planet today that had a perfect childhood. There's not a single parent on the face of the planet that exists today that is the perfect pa parent. There, you know, the, all these... Uh, you know, old TV sitcoms that we used to watch full house and the partridge family and you know, all these different sitcoms where, you know, you just had the loving husband and the wife and the wife would always kind of rib and nudge, you know, the husband and the husband would just kind of give a big belly laugh and everybody would sing songs and dance at the end of the show. That doesn't, that, that really isn't the case. There is no such thing as perfect. People do a really good job at putting on a really nice facade and, and trying to, to play the part of perfection. And that's exhausting, first of all, but they do it. But, but there is no such thing as actual perfect people. So mistakes are being made somewhere. We can all admit that we need to, we need to have the, the presence of mind to admit that. And we need to decode that. We need to understand it. That's why the first episode that we did was your story matters. And if you haven't listened to it, please stop listening to this and go listen to them in order. Because if you listen to these episodes in order, this is going to make a lot more sense to you. Um, <clears throat> the past is serious. We, we look at it. We, we have to analyze it. We, we have to put all of those extra pieces into that puzzle, right? We, we've got to find as many, as many of those missing pieces and put them into place as we can. 
And like I said, it, it does matter. We, we've had more than, than a few occasions where by doing this, we've been able to completely change a, a, an individual's diagnosis. And in some cases that, that changed, that changed the course of, of uh, medication and that changed the course of what we were doing in, in, in the counseling session. But people come in and, and some people are what, what would be called a, a bad historian. They, they're not really able to verbalize or, or get into the weeds or the details of their past for one reason or another. And, and look, it, it's, not, it's not an anomaly. There are some people out there that have really good memories of the past and, and they can really get, get down into those details very easily. But there are other people that really just, you know, for one reason or another, there's, there's some sort of a mental block kind of standing in the way. And, and what we've found is that as we're talking about things and as we're, you know, we discover something and then they're like, okay, I want to talk about that as pertaining to the past. We go and we start talking about that. And then as we're talking about it, you, you can almost see like a facial expression kind of change or they, they leave the session and then they come back for the next one and they've got this look on their face and they're like, man, I started remembering a bunch of things that, that happened back in the day that I, I, I didn't even, I didn't even know were there, you know, they start putting these pieces together with you. <laughs> and so you, you're, you're really doing this puzzle together. I, I have to say that, that people that, that challenge the nature of cognitive behavioral therapy and, and asking people to do work within a session, I really want them to, to kind of analyze their, their thought process and their understanding because work is, is absolutely necessary. It's required in the process of change. You can't simply sit around and, and wait for things to just be different because it's not going to happen. You're, it, it's not going to change. So I, I'm a huge proponent of the, the cognitive therapies, cognitive behavioral therapy, cognitive processing therapy, you know, prolonged exposure, all of those things. I'm, I'm very into work. The, the identification process is extremely good. That's why EMDR and, and various other methods for really reaching back in the mind and, and pulling things back to the surface and processing and addressing those things is absolutely necessary. But once you have an understanding of what happened, now you have an opportunity to make changes. And that is the responsibility on the individual, right? Because a lot of those illogical thought processes, a lot of those distorted thinking types, right? You know, especially when a person can identify trauma in their childhood, they, they can spend a lot of time in that victim mentality and they're blaming people from their past for what's happening in their life in the present. And it's fair to a degree. It's fair. You can't do, you can't do what you don't know. Let's put it to you that way. So if you don't know, or if, if you just don't know how to do something, it's, it's highly unlikely, or it's highly illogical for somebody to ask you to do that. Right. So then you, you reach back, you understand that there was trauma in your past. You understand that these were bad things that developed your thought process this way. And then your behaviors followed suit. But now that that identification piece is done and you have an understanding, it is now absolutely 110% your responsibility to change, change your behaviors, change the way that you think about things, make better decisions and choices in your life. Because the people that hurt you, the people that, that, or, or whatever caused that trauma in your life, 
it's not it's not coming they are not coming it is not going to fix itself they are not going to come in there and and fix your life they're not going to change things for you you have to put in the work you have to put in the time and the effort to do that and that can be a very daunting process for for a lot of people because it's work I will say just this last week, I've had multiple conversations with people about medication, medication management, and, and look, for all intents and purposes, I, I think medication is necessary for a time. In most, in most cases, it, it, it's not a life sentence. We're not asking people to take pills for the rest of their life. And, and for most people, you probably don't need to. <clears throat> if I'm being completely honest, what we need to do is the medication piece is there to stabilize, get people into a frame of mind where they are able to actually go out there and, and start doing the work. So the medication piece needs to be followed up with the counseling. The counseling needs to be uh, in, done in such a way that, that people are, are given the opportunity to build new skills so that they can address the issues that they're facing in life as they move forward. And they can do so better based on what they learn in counseling or, and so going through this process, I want people to understand that, that medication is not, it's not going to be your cure. It, it isn't simply put, it's not going to be your cure. It's going to be a catalyst. It's going to be an opportunity to put you in the frame of mind, to do the work that is necessary to make positive changes in your life. There are people that, that I have talked to in the past that, you know, they come in and they're, they're, they're always unsatisfied with the medication that they're taking. And listen, I'm, I'm as empathetic and as sympathetic with the, the plight of the individual sitting across from me, just based on my own personal experiences, but I've walked out this method and I, I, I don't want this to sound bad, but, but there are. There are people out there that are just highly resistant to doing work. They don't want to make any, any changes. They don't want to actually have to do anything. They just want somebody to solve a problem for them. And if that's your idea of what counseling is or what therapy is, I'm sorry, but you're, you're sadly mistaken. You've got to be prepared to put some time and effort in. It's the same thing. I, I have this conversation with people who are religious as well. If you, if you really look biblically, how many times did God just bless people for no reason? He didn't. He never does. There's a, there, first of all, there's, there's obedience that comes in in that process, obeying God, right, first of all. And then this, the, the next thing is there's often action that's being taken or required. <laughs> and, and you can go look at the Bible and you can read through it and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but God is blessing people based on action that they're taking. So if, if you're religious, if you're, if you're of the Christian persuasion, understand something that, you know, going to church and praying and asking God for things and, and God heal me and make me better and make me stronger and, you know, help me with my mental health, help me to not be so sad anymore. Understand that, that work is required. God's going to bless you, but you got to put effort in. He's going to bless the acts of your hands, the movements that you make towards progress. 
And then listen, I don't want to anger anybody, but I, I make no apologies for the statements that I make. They are statements of fact. And so if, if you, if you, if you're having a hard time with this, just understand that, look, sometimes, sometimes the truth hurts. It hurts. I'm not saying that people are, are bad. I'm not, I'm not saying any of those things, but, but my, my job, my desire is to give you information that's going to benefit your life. And so this is what we've got to do. We've got to put some time and effort in. I know we're talking about anxiety. I know it sounds like I'm going off on a tangent, but I want you guys to hear me out. The understanding is that medication is not going to take your, it's not going to take your condition away. And when you really start looking at the different conditions that are associated with anxiety, the things that the way that it displays, we have things like general generalized anxiety disorder, um, you know, concerns that reflect, you know, the major areas of your life, life, work, love, money, health, all those things, you know, and, and is most common among older adults, right? So we have the generalized anxiety disorder. We have social anxiety disorder, uh, more narrowly focused, uh, but, but is more focused on the fear of negative uh, evaluations by others, which again, those of you who have kids that are on social media, ding, 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 ding. Wish I had that bell sound. What do I, what do, what do I have up here? I have something just bare. Okay. There you go. There, there's your, there's your sound to kind of clue in on that. Right. It, there, there's this, this need, this emphasis, you know, to, to have these positive interactions and social media is it's a factory of, of vanity. We, we put a lot of positive things up on social media. You know, I see people put those, those little quotes up all the time. That stuff's awesome. That's good. Share, share photos of your family with other family members. Listen, I'm not, I'm not ragging on, on social media and, and their platforms as a whole, but when they're used as, as an opportunity to tear other people down or make other people feel bad, or, you know, it, it really, it, just can be an inherent property that people are comparing themselves to one another. Right? So listen, parents talk to your kids. All right. There's a lot of, a lot of phobia phobias. There's, there's a lot of, um, you know, these, these socialized anxiety disorders, there's, um, panic anxiety. There's no, there's a multitude of things, right? We, we could talk about these all day and I'm not going to, but these are some of the manifestations of the, the different types of anxiety. So when you start talking about, you know, best, best practices, best therapy, um, that, that are very good for addressing anxiety. Like I said, I'm, I'm a big proponent of the cognitive, uh, theories, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, cognitive processing therapy. Uh, they do really well because they, they really do address the line of thinking. Right. And obviously when you start talking about anxiety, that that's, that's a big part of it. You've got to address the thought process. You have to, um, so if you're looking for somebody to, you know, help you with, uh, deal with your anxiety, look, look for somebody that, that really does, um, work within, you know, some sort of, of cognitive therapy, right? CBT is probably one of the best ones. Cognitive behavioral therapy. It covers a wide, it covers a wide range of, of disorders and it's super, super effective when it comes to the, the process of treatment. And, and again, the, that caveat is it really does depend on the amount of work that you put into it. So if what you're learning in, in therapy or, or in counseling, you're taking back into your environment and you're implementing there, 
you're going to see more positive results and, and probably a lot faster in, in doing that than you would if you just tried to learn that during your therapy session and then not implement that in your life at all. There has to be work both inside of session and outside of session, right? There is no one-stop shop. There is no, this is going to cure everything. We have got to understand that there is work involved in the process and you, you've got to, you got to be willing to do that work. Um, <clears throat> we, we, we've gone through a, a multitude of things here, uh, in regards to anxiety. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to post a couple of links on, um, on Facebook, uh, that, that talk about, you know, anxiety, you know, what the manifestations are origins, you know, things to pay attention to, um, you know, best practices for getting and receiving help. And, you know, just, I'm going to put, we're going to put things up there. Um, Obviously, I, I, I do have the cognitive behavioral therapy handbook um, with me, um, but you know there, there's a multitude of factors. There, there are questions that you can ask, and I actually did make a post about this last week um, on Facebook, and it talked about you know a series of questions that you could ask yourself that, that would help in that process of analyzing and, and potentially addressing you know, those, those bouts of anxiety. So if you get a chance and an opportunity, go look at those, you know, and connect with us because the information that we're putting out really isn't just like, Hey, you know, go out there and, and be great today. No, no, no. We, we really are trying to encourage people in their journey for mental strength. We really want people to advocate for themselves, not just advocate for themselves, but then to pass that information along to other people, because this is the way that we get better is by sharing the information that we have, not, not holding tight onto it, but by, by including our, our friends and our family members, our loved ones in, in this process. Right. And, and I want, I want people around me to grow stronger based on the information that I'm putting out and, and, you know, the experiences that I've had. And so I, I share that like, like, like no other. So if you are trying to make a positive difference, please share that information. Um, I, it, it, there, there, like I said, at the very beginning, there is nothing too small that, that constitutes, you know, any kind of feelings of, well, you know, this, this isn't going to make a difference. You really don't know. You don't know who's looking for somebody to care. You really don't know who's, who's waiting on somebody to reach out. So do that, reach out. Anxiety obviously is a major issue. It's, it's definitely on the rise, um, especially in our, our younger uh, generations are, are children and, and things of that nature. And I, I feel like this is going to be a, a growing issue over time. And so we really need to be proactive and, and get out in front of this. So if, if you're not talking to your kids, start talking to your kids, start paying attention to their behavior, start paying attention to, you know, their, their, uh, emotions, the, the way that those manifest and display. And if you have any concerns or worry and, and you know, for whatever reason, your, your kids won't talk to you, seek help. Okay. Seek help because the more you do during those younger years, especially childhood and, and into early adolescence, the more you do during that time period, the, the better, the better chance you're giving them later on, especially in early adulthood, you know, to, to that mid 
adulthood time period. We need to we need to be making this information more readily available to young parents. We need to be making this readily available to people in schools and you know wherever wherever we're serving a younger population because this this stuff really does creep up and it, it does affect people in a very negative way. So pay attention to your own behaviors too. Pay attention to your own mindset. You know when when somebody gives you a call and says, "Hey, we're we're going out to you know go bowling or go eat or go do whatever the activity is do you want to come along and internally you really do you know your mind is like man i'd love to do that but everything else is screaming like no don't do that don't do that that's a problem right unless i'm not even going to get in the weeds on that one because again there's a multitude of factors that that could be at play there but you know one of those things um was uh there there's an individual that i i've talked to on a on a very frequent basis and and he's had some he's had some issues with anxiety right got into a car accident and the car accident you know it it wasn't necessarily bad but it scared him enough that like he he didn't want to drive anymore and as we've talked about this process, right, you know, there, there, there's an illogical way of thinking that, that does take place when you, when you really start to analyze that process and, you know, he's aware of that and we're working on that. But really part of that is to challenge that ir- irrational, illogical nature of, of thinking and try and get them to understand that just because you go out and do something does not necessarily mean that something bad is going to happen. It doesn't mean that you're going to be hurt or any of those things, but because we're talking about, we're talking about thought processes that were formed over a lifetime, you know, and lifetime meaning just up to the present where he's at, it's, it, it becomes a, a very big challenge to refute that and then ask him to, you know, think and act otherwise. So again, it just takes, it takes time. These processes do take time. You've really got to provide, you've got to provide really solid evidence to the contrary in order to really get that anxiety to go down. And once you can do that, right, this, and this is where exposure therapy comes into play. Once you can get a person comfortable, right, they, they're doing this over time, they're doing it for short periods of time. They're, they're analyzing the information that they're collecting in that environment. And then they're, they're, they're getting out and then they'll go back into it maybe a little bit longer. And then they'll, this process just kind of repeats over time until they've collected enough information and they can really start to, to they're, they're changing that, that illogical thought process, right? That irrational thought process. So anxiety sucks. It's not fun. It's not something that people want to deal with. It's not something that people enjoy having as a part of their life. But unfortunately, it's it's something that does uh, kind of creep in and and just kind of settle over time. And so we just got to pay attention to it. We've got to be cognizant of the things that are happening within our life. We've got to be paying attention to what's going on around us as far as our kids and other family members and, and really be an advocate as much as possible. You know, if it's not affecting you, it's, it's a high likelihood, high probability that it may be affecting someone else, someone else that, you know, so pay attention to that as well. Um, I think the last statistics that I had looked at said that about 40 million Americans, 40 million people within the United States suffer from some form of anxiety disorder, 40 million. 
Now, just to kind of put that into perspective, I believe the the entirety of our population here within the United States is is just over 300 million. And so you, you really got to look at the, the correlation between those two. It, it seems as though it's, it, well, it's not that high, but it, it really is. It's, it's high and it's, it's getting higher. It's, it's raising, it's going up. So we need to pay attention to it. We need to talk about it. We need to put this information out. We need to check in on the people that we love and we care about and make sure that we're doing our due diligence to, to spread that message of growth and strength and mental health as much as we possibly can. That should be a responsibility that everybody, everybody kind of carries. So pay attention to those things. And if you think about it, you are more than welcome to reach out and and talk to us here um, either on Facebook or through Instagram, you know, maybe, maybe just give a little shout like, Hey, you know, I, whatever, whatever it is, be interactive, come and talk to us, you know, sound like a, a, a lonely person when I say things like that. But really what we want to do is we just want to make sure that, you know, we're serving people we're with, with, you know, um, the best information that we possibly can. And we want to make sure that people are hearing the things that they want to hear. You know, they want to, they want to gain knowledge about subjects and, and things that they, they want to uh, better understand, whether that's for themselves or for somebody else in their life. So again, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and do this, but uh, Facebook mental health babble, it's, it's our page, come and like it and follow it and be interactive. Right. We, we love, we love that interaction piece. Um, also on Instagram, mental health babble there as well. Um, and then you can also hit us at, uh, our, our email address, which is mental health babble, uh, at gmail.com. Um, and, and I will say we did, we did get an email to that email address. And, uh, I, I, I want the individual, they know who they are, but I, I want that individual to know that we, we greatly appreciate you reaching out and we are going to, uh, we're going to be getting into contact with you very soon. And we're going to be talking about, you know, some, some things with you, uh, here coming up in the future. So we really appreciate that. Um, I definitely want to, I want to acknowledge, you know, the, the people that are just constantly, you know, sharing posts and, um, you know, spreading this, this information with other people, you guys have to know that it's greatly appreciated, uh, not just by us, but the, the people that you're sharing this with as well, whether, whether they're showing it outwardly or not, you know, you don't know what that one thing is that you're going to do or say, that's going to be the, the, you know, that, that change, that positive change that a person needs, uh, within their life. So thank you guys so much. Those of you that have just been liking and, and loving and commenting and all that stuff. We love to see that. Um, and for those of you that are, are joining us and are new, thank you. We, we are so appreciative of the growth that we are seeing. Um, you know, the podcast itself is, is doing really well and not to mention, you know, our following on Facebook is just, it's going up by the day. Uh, the numbers keep increasing and you know, the, the, it's just a, it's a beautiful thing to see because that's what matters is the reach, the ability to send the message as, as far and as wide as we possibly can so that we can build that ideal mentally strong society that we, that we all desire. I know we do. It's there. 
right? Whether you can admit it or not, it's there. Um, we're, listen, I, I've been babbling long enough. So what I am going to do is I'm going to shut my mouth and we are going to let you get on with whatever you're doing. I hope that you have a wonderful day or night or wherever you're at and that things are, are going well in your life. And, uh, you know, keep, keep seeking, keep seeking, keep fighting, keep growing in your in your mental health and your mental strength because it, it's it's what we all need it's a beautiful thing and I, i'm so glad that we can do this together and that we we have this opportunity to just become better so thank you from the bottom of my heart and i know that andrew feels the same way uh, you guys are amazing and we love you all and stay tuned because there's plenty more to come from the mental health babble podcast all right we out